Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Turn back to the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 39 this morning. Uh, we're going to be uh, studying the whole chapter together. Uh, but in just a few moments, I'm going to read to you the first nine verses. So go ahead and find Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 9. We'll read that together in just a moment. If you're new to the Bible, it's right there at the very beginning, hard to miss the book of Genesis, so go ahead and find that. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay, because in the seat before you, you should find a copy of the Bible down in the book rack. Grab that copy of the Bible and find Genesis 39 with us, and if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. Uh, if, if you're new to Northwood, we like to take books of the Bible like this and just walk straight through them, because we believe that God's Word is powerful, that it's true on every page, and, and that it, it helps us to, to hear hear the voice of God and to grow in a relationship with him. And so uh, we take studying the Bible very seriously together here at Northwood. Now, uh, I just want to let you know that that next Sunday, we'll take a break from the book of Genesis. As we approach Christmas, I want to do a message next week that walks us through the entire Bible in about 40, 45 minutes, 50, 60. We'll see how long it takes, right? But, but I, I want you to see, I want you to see how, how the whole Bible tells the story of Christ and what he's done for us. And so I think it's going to be very helpful for us. So we'll do that next Sunday just as we approach Christmas. And then the Sunday after, I'll be in New Orleans visiting with Stacy's family and uh, we'll be there, and, and Randy will pick up in Genesis chapter 40. So I've got uh, some great weeks coming up. So I hope you'll be sticking around and uh, joining us as we study God's Word together. Genesis 39, verses 1 through 9 is where we'll spend our time together uh, this morning. So, so here we are, and it's hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, we are at the end of 2021. I mean, it seems like yesterday, doesn't it, that, that it was January 1st. But here we are in December of 2021, and man, we'll be 2022 in a couple weeks. It, it, is, it is wild. And I don't know if you remember this or not. I'm sure you do, but if you remember 2020, that was a hard year to forget, but if you remember 2020, at the end of 2020, we were saying things, or at least I was saying, saying things like this, I can't wait for 2021 because it's going to be so much better. <laughs> it hasn't been any better, has it? If anything, uh, let's just be honest, if you think about it, in a lot of ways, at least here locally in our church, I think in some ways, 2021 has been worse than 2020. In 2020, uh, we had to make a lot of shifts and, and changes just to deal with what was going on in our world. Uh, but in 2021, uh, COVID became personal for us. I don't know if you remember, but back in, I, I guess it was uh, July or August, we had a lot of our people here uh, got sick with COVID. And we had several that were hospitalized. And, uh, and, and, and we had three people in our church that, that went home to be with Jesus as a result of COVID. It was, it was a hard 
couple of months here in the life of our church as we dealt with firsthand uh, COVID and the reality of that sickness. And so it was hard. It was, it was I mean, uh, for me, uh, just honestly, as, as a pastor, 2021 was a lot harder uh, just emotionally and and spiritually than, than 2020 was. And, and, and then on top of that, I mean, just the, the world has gone completely nuts, you know, and, and you, you turn on the media, media and, there's, and it's like they're, they're just, you know, stirring the pot with the vision and all the craziness. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, just, let's just be honest. And I know, you know, we all have, you know, our, our viewpoints and thoughts and different things. And, but who would have thought five years ago that, that one of the most decisive things or one of the most divisive things in our country would be a vaccine? That's just wild, right? And 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 and, and regardless of whether you've taken it or not, whatever, that, that's your business, and I get all that, but it has been divisive. And, and so you think about this year, even in our church, because I've had conversations with you, and we've, we've talked through this and on an individual level and prayed through this and thought through what it means. I mean, uh, you know, just the unfortunate reality that for some of us, our jobs were on the line this year based on whether we took a shot or not. I mean, who would have thought that would be the reality, you know, several years ago? Or, or just think about travel. Here we are uh, in, in a couple of months. We're wanting to take a, a trip to Israel, and some of us want to go and see the Holy Land, and God willing, that's going to happen. But even with that, just the, the stuff that has to, to take place for us to be able to take that trip that a couple of years ago was just no big deal. I mean, the world has changed, and we thought 2021 was going to be better, but, man, it, it is not. In fact, I was reading an article uh, this week about a, a man, a dentist in Italy, uh, you think about here in America and just some of the division we've had over um, how we respond to the virus. I mean, it's, it's, it's different in Italy than even here. And just restrictions are, are just tighter. And so this, uh, this, this dentist, he, he was given that, that ultimatum like some of you have been given this year. You, you, you take the vaccine or you, or you lose your job. And, and for his own personal reasons, he, he didn't want to take the vaccine and he didn't want to lose his job either because he has a family to provide for. And so, so he came up with an idea. He put on a big overcoat and attached to that overcoat, it sounds genius, right? Attached to this overcoat, he had coming out of that overcoat two rubber arms. Like, like, that's going to work. And so, and so he went and sat down in the chair to get the shot and the nurse rolled up his sleeve and there was that rubber arm. And I don't know why he thought he would get away with that, but obviously... <laughs> He did not, but, but, but still, he was put in a position where he thought, man, this is what I got to do. All that to say, man, it's been wild the last couple years, and, and I want to be able to stand up here and say today, man, I can't wait for 2022 because it has to be better than what we're experiencing now. But I can't make that promise, and you can't either. 2022, it could be worse than 2021 and 2020. We don't know, but here's what we do know. We know, we know, now listen to this very carefully. We know that 2,000 years ago in a town called Bethlehem, a child was born. And in Matthew chapter one, the angel said to call his name Jesus, to call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now listen carefully. I know you know this because this is a basic theological truth. This is not new for you. You believe this, but, but just think about this. 2020 and 2021 have been challenging years and 2022, it may be challenging as well. But, but regardless of the challenges that have been behind us or the challenges that lie before us, here is the reality. And you know this because you've experienced this. The every day of 2020 and 2021 and every day we have from here on out, God is with 
us. And we've experienced that. You think about it. I mean, I think about just in the life of this church. It was a hard year. 2020 was a hard year. But, but I think, and, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think over the last couple of years, at least in my time here, we've seen some of the most fruitful years of ministry that we've seen in a very long time. It's been amazing to see the number of people who professed faith in Christ over the last couple of years and some of the unique ministry we've been able to do. So it's been a hard couple of years and next year might be hard as well. But what hasn't changed has been the reality that God has been with us at work among his people. Isn't that good? Now, now I, I tell you all that to point you back to the story we're looking at this morning. In Genesis 39, I bet you Joseph said at one point, next year is going to be better. I mean, think about it. Sold into slavery. Now he's a slave in the home of Potiphar. I bet you he's saying next year is going to be better. But year after year would roll on by in Joseph's life. And year after year, it doesn't get any better. For Joseph, it's going to get progressively worse. But, but, but Moses, the author of Genesis, what he wants us to know, because he's going to say this several times in the text we're looking at this morning. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's encouraging. And it's encouraging for you and for me this morning. What, what God is going to say through Moses, right, in the book of Genesis, here in chapter 39 of Genesis, what's going to be said several times is God was with Joseph. It might not have seemed for Joseph like life was getting him better. But what Joseph had with him in the difficult days of God, or excuse me, in the difficult days of his life was the very presence of God with him. You see, my friend, I, I want you to know this this morning. I know you know this, but I want us to be reminded of this. When you know that God is with you, it really does make all the difference in the world. When you know that Emmanuel Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, is with you. When you know that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ dwells within you, it really does make all the difference in the world. And so what I want to show you from this story, this fascinating story, I want to show you two truths. Two truths that I think will encourage you and bless you. Since you know God is with you as a follower of Jesus, you can hang on to these two truths no matter what tomorrow holds, no matter what 22 holds, no matter what 2023 holds. You can hold on to these two truths we're going to talk about this morning because you know that God is with you. So take your Bibles, Genesis chapter 39, uh, verses 1 through 9. Go ahead and rise your feet as we honor the reading of God's word together this morning. Beginning in verse 1, this is what the Bible says. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and the captain of the guards bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph. He became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on 
all that Potiphar owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, sleep with me. But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil and how could I sin against God? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for the opportunity we have as your people to study your word together. And what a blessed thought to know that the God of all creation is with his people. And so, Father, as we study your word this morning, may we, as your people, take comfort in that reality. And since we know that you are the God that is with us, may we be a people that follow you by faith, that surrender to your will, that live for your glory. And so, Father, in these moments, as you speak to us, help us be a people who are quick to listen to your word and quick to obey it. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So we started Joseph's story a couple of weeks ago and we we saw, right, back in Genesis chapter 37, how Joseph was the favored son of Jacob and how Jacob gave Joseph this privileged life he gave him this coat that, that signified that, that he was more significant than the rest of his brothers. I mean, J- Jacob loved his son Joseph. And, and that love that, that Jacob had for Joseph, it caused his brothers to be envious. And we, we talked about a couple weeks ago how his brothers began to hate him, hate him so much, in fact, that they sold Joseph into slavery. And a couple weeks ago, we saw as Joseph was sold into slavery and he was taken away to Egypt. And when he was taken away to Egypt, he would never return back to his father's house. Never in his life would he return to the land of promise. He would die in Egypt. And then last week, we looked at that, that horrible story in Genesis chapter 38. And in this, the heinous sin of Judah, And it's almost like that story is a bit of an interlude. But I told you last week, we're gonna come back uh, to Judah later on in the story. And so in Genesis chapter 38, Moses is telling us this story about Judah because there's some things about Judah he wants us to know that are gonna be important when we get later on in the story. But if you think about it, what Moses is doing in Genesis chapter 38, in a lot of ways, he's setting Judah's life in contrast to Joseph's life. Judah is an example of someone who had his desires set on his own flesh. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. But Joseph, remember, is is different. Joseph isn't perfect, we know that, because Joseph's a human. He he sins like all of us sin. But, But Moses wants to point out to us that Joseph was different. He honored the Lord with his life. He didn't gratify the desires of his flesh. He obeyed God. He lived with integrity. He, he was a man of faith. And so he's very different than his brother uh, Judah was. And now here we are in Genesis chapter 39. It's been some years ago that he's been sold into slavery and now he's in the house of Potiphar. And and Potiphar is an important man. He's the captain of of the guard there in Egypt. You can imagine that that Potiphar on a regular basis, he rubs shoulders with the Pharaoh. he, he, He is high in authority. And he has now this new Hebrew slave a young man 
We don't know exactly how old Joseph was at this time. Maybe he's, he's now at this point in his early to mid-20s. And, and something begins to happen. Potiphar begins to be blessed because of Joseph. Because there in, in, in Potiphar's house, day after day, Joseph, as, as difficult as it was, as trying as the circumstances might have been, because this is not where Joseph imagined his life would end up. In fact, we remember years ago, he had had this dream that someday he would be a ruler and his brothers would bow down before him. And that's what got him in trouble with his brothers. That's why his brothers hated, hated him because of that dream he had. Well, well, this isn't how the dream was supposed to work out because this, this young man who had this privileged life with his father was now a slave. But this one who's been sold into slavery, he continues to walk by faith. And Moses tells us at the beginning of chapter 39, at the beginning of this story, God was with Joseph. Now look again at what it says. I read it to you, but I want to make sure you see this. It says there again in verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man serving in the household of his Egyptian master. Look at what it says in verse three. When his master saw that the Lord was with him. Now, you might want to underline that phrase. Moses doesn't give us a lot of details here. He just tells us that, that Potiphar saw something unique about Joseph. He saw the power of God at work in Joseph's life. I, I don't know because Moses doesn't tell us. I don't know if, if Potiphar and Joseph had conversations about Joseph's God. We, we just don't know. But, but, but do you see this? This is so good. Potiphar saw. Potiphar saw that God was with Joseph. And Potiphar saw that Joseph prospered because of Joseph's God. And, and this is mind-blowing. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us, we don't know, but you can assume uh, that, that Joseph is not the only slave in Potiphar's house. He probably has some more. He's a wealthy man. He's a powerful man. He has a, a large estate and he, he probably has several slaves. But because Potiphar sees that Joseph's God is with him, and because Potiphar sees how successful Joseph is and what he does because of the God of Joseph, think about this. Potiphar allows this foreigner to not only come into his home as a slave, but he allows this foreigner to take charge of his home. This 20-something-year-old foreigner, he puts in charge of his entire house. I mean, the Bible is very clear, isn't it? That, that, that Potiphar allows Joseph to be in charge of everything that he owned. But you come down to verse six, look at what it says. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Just wanted to throw that in there, right? I mean, he was in charge of everything, but you don't mess with a man's food. So, so, so Potiphar, you know, he wanted to keep eating steak and so he didn't let Joseph touch his food. But other than that, Joseph was in charge of everything, everything in Potiphar's house. It's amazing. And I, I just want you to stop right there and, and think for just a moment. This was a tremendous trial in Joseph's life because this was not where Joseph dreamed of being. This wasn't Joseph's plan. This isn't where Joseph thought he would be. But here he is in prison, not in prison, here he is in slavery, still walking by faith. And as a result of that, as a result of walking by faith in some difficult times, what does Joseph see? Fruit. 
Now, I want to stop right here and just remind you of this truth, and, and you probably know this. I probably don't have to tell you this. Your most trying days can be your most fruitful days. Do you know that? Your most trying days in life, and we all have them. We had a trying 2020. We had a trying 2021. But your most trying days as a follower of Jesus can be your most fruitful days of ministry for the kingdom of God. And I just want you to think about this. And I know you know this. Oftentimes when we think of difficulties, when we think of challenges and trials, we think of trials as a curse, right? What did I do wrong to deserve these kinds of trials? What did I do wrong to to have this kind of, of difficult circumstance? What did I do wrong? And so oftentimes we'll think about the difficult days as, as maybe a curse or a a punishment for something we did. But, But my friend, your trials, your struggles, your difficult days, they are not a curse. They are not a punishment. Your trials and difficult days, what they are in the hand of God, they're a tool. They're a tool for God to use in your life for your good and ultimately for his glory. Think about this. God has entrusted you with trials for the sake of his purpose. Now, I know you know this. We talk about this all the time, but but just think about this from Joseph's perspective in the story that we are in. Joseph doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that, that in a few years, God is going to place him second in charge in Egypt, just under Pharaoh. He doesn't know it. But God, behind the scenes, unbeknown to Joseph, is working out his purpose to ultimately raise Joseph up. Joseph doesn't know that ultimately his family is going to end up in Egypt. And Joseph doesn't know that God has sent him there to ultimately bring his family out of a famine. Joseph doesn't know. Joseph doesn't know that ultimately his descendants are going to be in Egypt as slaves. And Joseph doesn't know that 400 years from now, just as God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, God is going to deliver his people through an exodus. He's going to use Moses to bring them across a sea. And and what is the greatest act of salvation in the Old Testament? Joseph doesn't know, but, but God is there. God is with Joseph and God is at work in Joseph's life to accomplish his own good and glorious purpose. And, and you don't know either, my friend. You don't know either what God's doing, but I promise you he's with you and he's at work. And you don't know what God might be doing in your life right now that might affect six months from now. Or you don't know what God's doing in your life right now that might affect generations from now. But here's what I know. If you're a follower of Jesus, faithfully following him, God is at work in every circumstance of your life, sovereignly at work in every circumstance of your life for his glory, accomplishing his eternal purposes and making you into the person he wants you to be. And so therefore, since you know that, and since you know God is with you, you know, right, that your most trying days, they really can be your most fruitful days. And think about this. This is so good. God has entrusted you with trials for the sake of someone else. Because there's someone in your life right now, if you're going through a difficult season, if you're having a bad month or a bad year, there's someone in your life right now who needs to see how a follower of Jesus responds to difficult situations. 
There's someone in your life right now who needs to see how a person of faith walks in integrity in every situation of life. There's someone right now who needs to see what it looks like to love God and honor God and serve God no matter what the circumstances are, do you see? And so, so think about it. The, the, the difficulties that you go through, uh, they may be for the sake of someone else. This is the case with Joseph. There he was in, in Potiphar's house. And, and there Potiphar, he what? He saw, he saw through Joseph that God was present. Oh, my friend, when you go through difficult trials, you have a couple of options. You can close your hands up and you can say to God, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hold on. I'm gonna hold on for dear life to everything I can. Life is tough, so I'm going to hold on to my, my time. I'm going I'm to I'm keep as much as I can for myself because life is tough. And so I'm just going to hold on. You can close your hands up when life gets tough and try to hold on to everything for dear life. Or you can go through those difficult seasons and you can open up your hands. And you can say to God, life is tough. Right now, right now, I, I, I just need some encouragement. My life is tough. I'm going through some difficulties. I just need someone to tell me life is going to be okay. I'm gonna hold on for that encouragement. Or you can open up your hands and say, I need some encouragement. But in these difficult days, I'm gonna be an encourager to others. You can open up your hands and say, I, life is hard right now. I don't, I don't have much. I, I need some resources to get through these difficult days, but I'm gonna open up my hands and I, I'm gonna continue to give. I'm gonna give them my time, even though I don't have a lot of time right now. I'm gonna give them my finances, even though I don't have a lot right now. I'm gonna keep on giving. I'm gonna keep on blessing because I know that it's through my trials, right, that God might use these trials I'm going through to be a blessing to somebody else. And so no matter what I experience, I'm gonna keep my hands wide open. God, you give me what you wanna give me. You take from me what you wanna take from me. You use me how you wanna use me. I am gonna continue to be your servant, good days and bad days. And so church, I just want to encourage you this morning since you know God is with you always at work you can always live an open-handed life but here's the deal right you're going to go through those trials and in every trial there's what without fail in every trial you go through there's temptation there's temptation to take your eyes off of God there's temptation to close up your hands there's temptation to turn away from God and do life your way right Every trial, every hard day, every difficulty, every challenge, there's temptation. I know some of you are curious because I know you're curious about all the details of the Christmas competition in my neighborhood. You're, you're wondering how it's going, right? And so, so um, a couple of things, you know, I, I don't think I've told you before too many times that, you know, I'm the defending Christmas champion decorating in my neighborhood. And so, so it's different this year. So, I told you a couple weeks ago that there's a family in our church who's trying to take me down. They, they actually showed up for church this morning. Can you believe that? And so, so, so they're trying to take me down and take away my title. And then they, they changed the process of how we're doing the competition this year. The competition actually started on December 4th and, and everyone in the neighborhood gets to go have a vote. It's like a popularity contest now, right? And I just ain't got time to be popular, you understand? And so, so, so that's going on. And, and then... Uh, you guys, I don't know what neighborhoods you all live in, but do you guys have like neighborhood Facebook pages? Yeah. Those things are terrible, aren't they? But, but anyway, so we have, a, we have a, a neighborhood Facebook page. And someone over the last couple weeks has been putting on Facebook, putting on Facebook. Now, you're not gonna believe this, this is terrible. 
come to our house, and they've got certain nights they've blocked off. Come to our house, and your kids can play in the snow. And they've got these snow machines. But no, 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 it gets worse. Come to our house, let your kids play in the snow, and we have all the hot chocolate and cookies you could want. It's a rigged election, you understand? I mean, it's, it's, it's done, like, like the, the whole process now. I mean, there, there's no way I could compete with that. I mean, I'm, I'm just done. Like, I'm, I'm giving up the crown, all those kinds of things, because I, I, I can't feed the whole neighborhood. And I don't have snow. I mean, I, mean I, I still have the best house in the neighborhood, but, but the whole competition this year, for whatever reason, I mean, the whole neighborhood got together to conspire against me. I mean, it, it's done. And I'll just be a little honest with you. Just a little bit bitter about it. You know what I'm saying? It's been a bad week, you know? But I tell you that, I tell you this. Life isn't going to work out the way you want it to work out. And, and, and you can be like me. When life doesn't always work out the way you want, to work out, want it to work out, you, you, can, you can choose sinful attitudes to get a little bit bitter, to get angry. Think about it at home, right? When, when your kids aren't doing exactly what you want them to do, you can respond in a way that's sinful. You can lose your temper. When your spouse, right, doesn't agree with you, you can respond sinfully. You can snap back at your spouse. When, when, when someone is gossiping about you, you can what? You can choose to gossip about them. You say, when, when life doesn't work out the exact way you want to work out, when life gets a little hard, you can choose what? You can choose to respond to difficult, tem- difficult situations by giving in to temptation to take your eyes off God and get a little angry, get a little bitter, give in to your flesh and do the things you want to do, you see? So watch this. Follow me carefully. Are you following? In every trial, there's temptation to take your eyes off of God and do life your way. But think about this next truth. Your most tempting days, they can be your most victorious days because in the face of trial, you can choose, right, to give into temptation or you can choose to what? You can choose to keep your eyes on God when temptation comes and you can choose by the power of the one who is with you to say, no, I'm gonna keep walking by faith I'm going to keep bearing forth the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to keep my eyes on. Listen, this is where the story gets really good. And we're going to run out of time, so I've got to go fast. You ready? What happens is this. Joseph there. Everything's going well. He's in command of the home. But every day, Potiphar leaves. You can understand why. He's the captain of the guard. He's a busy man. He's an important man. He, he probably works 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And every day, Joseph is left with Potiphar's wife. Moses, the author, he doesn't even give us her name. But look, just a couple of details. You come down and you you read what it says, verse six, the end of verse six. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Did you know this? Joseph is the only man in scripture referred to as well-built and handsome. He must have looked a lot like me, right? And so, so (laughs) he was well-built and handsome. I don't know why you're laughing. I just don't get it. (laughs) After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, sleep with me. I mean, come on now. Life hadn't been fair for Joseph. He's a slave. His master's away. 
And, and I, I bet you Potiphar spoke, Potiphar's wife spoke these words into his ear. Potiphar will never know. Sleep with me. And Joseph says, no. But look at what it says. This is so good. He, he says, right, I can't do this because your husband has placed me in charge of everything. He's not withheld anything from me except you. I, I, I have to be loyal to him. And so look, look at what it says. How could I do this immense evil? And how could I sin against God? Isn't that good? And I, I just want you to come in real close. And I want to make sure you understand this, that when you know, when you are aware, when you live in the reality every day that God is present, that he is with you, when you know that he's with you, that is a wonderful motivation for you to be able to say no to the enemy and no to sin. How can you sin against the God that you know is present with you every single day? No, I'm not going to do it. She persists. You know this, don't you? Day after day, she comes back. Joseph, Potiphar's gone. Sleep with me. And day after day, he says no. And then there comes a day. There comes a day when he says no again and she grabs him by the coat and he flees. He runs for his life and she's left holding his coat. Now think about it. Twice now, Joseph has lost his coat. He lost his coat when his brothers beat him and threw him in a pit in Genesis chapter 37. And now here in chapter 39, he loses another coat. But you know what Joseph doesn't lose? His character. He keeps walking by faith. He flees. He runs from the temptation. And then Potiphar's wife uses that coat to make a, a false allegation of, of sexual abuse on Joseph's part. Potiphar has no other choice. He throws him in the prison. Joseph, again, has done no wrong. He's done everything right. But he's in prison now. But come down, I want to show you this. You come to verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. Do you see it? He was a slave in Potiphar's house and God was with him and blessed him. Now he's in prison. Prison is the last place he wanted to be. But you know who is there with him in the prison at the end of the story? Moses is telling us again, hey, he's in prison, bad place. You don't want to be there, but God was with him. Not only was God with him, God was prospering him. There wasn't a moment in Joseph's life that God was not with Joseph and God was not prospering Joseph for his glory and for his purpose. You see? And so because of that, because Joseph knows, because you and I know that God is always with us, we can. We can because of the spirit that lives inside of us. We can walk in the power of the spirit and we can say no to those temptations, right? Now just think about this real quick. I want you to, next time you're tempted, I I just want you to ask yourself three questions. Okay, we gotta go fast, but three questions. One, will I satisfy someone else? Because oftentimes in temptation, that's the question. Will Joseph satisfy the desires of Potiphar's wife? And and you know this, right? There, There are a lot of people who have already determined what their will for your life is. Amen? 
You have some, some friends, some family members who are saying, this is what you should do. This is how you should live. These are the things that you should do. And, and I know this about you because I know this about me. We want to please people. We, we want to, to, you know, have those kind of good relationships with people. And so sometimes we'll give into sinful choices in an attempt to satisfy someone else. Or think about this. The next time you find yourself tempted, ask the question, will I satisfy my desires? You've been there. Life isn't fair right now. I mean, I, I deserve it. I deserve to give into my flesh just a little bit. I deserve that sexual immorality. I deserve to stay up late tonight and watch a little porn. I deserve to, to have a few beers until I get drunk. I, I des- because life is hard. I deserve a little break from the pressures of life. Or a final question to ask yourself when you're tempted, will I satisfy God? Because here's the reality, and you know this, and I know you know this. You can try to satisfy the desires of someone else and give in to temptation. And, and you can try to satisfy your own desires and give in to temptation. But you know this to be true because I know it to be true. You're not left satisfied. When you try to satisfy someone else or try to satisfy yourself, you're not left satisfied because sin, it never satisfies. What sin does do though, Sin leaves you what? With a lot of regret. But, but when you choose, right, because the one who is with you to say yes to him and to be a person, a man, a woman of integrity and faith, right, you know that when you say yes to God, you are satisfied. Here's why I know. I've been a pastor now for, for 20-something years. I have never in my time of ministry have someone come up and say to me, Pastor, I did it. I did it God's way. And that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Never. I have never in 20-something years of ministry heard someone say, I did it God's way and that was a really bad idea. You know why I've never heard that? Because people don't say that. Because there's no one who regrets doing life God's way. There's no one who regrets saying no to sin and yes to God. There's no one who regrets following God faithfully. That that person doesn't exist, you see. But over 20 years of ministry, I have heard many people, numerous people say, I wish I would not have. I wish I would not have done life my way. I wish I wouldn't have given in that temptation. I, I wish I would have whatever. And I just want you to, to, to know this morning, right? Because you know that God is with you you don't have to give in a temptation, right? In fact, here's what I want you to do. Just, just as, as you have those tempting experiences, I, I just want you to remember that God is with you and his desires for your life are, are far greater than your desires. Not only is God with you, he has spoken to you. He has told you what's right. He has told you what's good in his word. He has told you how to live a life that honors him. And not only that, you have something that Joseph did not have in this story. You have the people of God around you. Look around this room, because I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Look on the faces of the people in this room. You're surrounded by people who do not want you to fail. You hear me, church? There's not someone in this room looking over at you right now and saying, man, I wish that person would have a moral failure. I wish that person would screw up his life. Nobody in this room is thinking that. In fact, I know this, that I'm looking across this room and what I'm thinking about you is, man, I pray and hope that, 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 that he walks faithfully with Jesus. I know he's in a hard time right now. Man, God, I'm praying that you would help him make wise choices that honor you. 
You have a group of people in this room who want to support you and help you and cheer you on as you continue to learn how to walk by faith. You see? And so what that means is in every trial, there's temptation, right? Every trial, there's temptation. But those seasons of temptation, when you put your eyes on Jesus instead of giving in to the temptation, my friend, listen carefully. Those days of trial can be your most fruitful days and your most victorious days as you continue to walk by faith. It's an amazing story. Egypt. It's not where Joseph planned on being, but God was with him and it made all the difference in his life. And, and, and just think about your life. You might not be where you planned on being right now, but God is with you and it does make all the difference in your life. Sometime later, after this story, you know what happened. There was a, a baby born in Bethlehem and I don't know if you remember Matthew's story or not, when Matthew tells the story of baby Jesus. He, he talks about how Herod wanted to kill the firstborn because Herod had heard about this new king in town. Interesting. You come to Matthew chapter 2 and listen to what the Bible says. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, not Joseph in Genesis, obviously, Joseph, uh, Jesus' earthly father. He appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, get up. Take the child and his mother. Flee to Egypt. That's interesting, isn't it? Because, because if you're a Hebrew person, when you think about Egypt, you know what you think about? Oppression. Slavery. You think about what happened for those 400 years when God's people were in bondage. And now the angel of the Lord says to, to, um, to Joseph, go. Take your child to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death. So that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled out of Egypt. I called my son. Think about it. Joseph, back in the Old Testament, that Joseph, he did everything right and ended up in Egypt. And his descendants would end up in Egypt as slaves. You think about Joseph and Mary. They did the right thing. I mean, the, God came to them and, 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 and presented to them this, this, this strange plan that he was going to, to, to send the Christ child to a, a virgin mother. And, and Joseph was going to marry this woman whose, whose child that she was carrying was not his. But Joseph and Mary, they followed. They were faithful. And, and how did it work out for them? Herod wants to kill their son and they end up in Egypt. Interesting. Matthew is making a connection here because Matthew wants us to know something. You think back to the story of Joseph in Genesis. God is orchestrating Joseph's life in such a way so that Joseph's family will end up in Egypt. God is orchestrating the circumstances in such a way so that Joseph's descendants will actually end up as slaves in Egypt. Why would God do that? So that God might raise up eventually a deliverer named Moses who would come in under the power of God and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And it doesn't happen until a plague where all the firstborn of Egypt's houses were killed. And then Pharaoh let the people go and they crossed through a sea 
right through the middle of it on dry ground. Exodus. Moses, by the power of God, had delivered God's people. And in the Old Testament, there is no story quite like the Exodus. It is a wonderful display of God's saving power as he saves his people from bondage and and slavery. Now in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew is intentionally saying, you remember that story? About Egypt, a place of oppression, a place of slavery. My son's going to Egypt. He's coming out. And I want you to know the Spirit of God is saying to us through the gospel writer Matthew, I want you to know that Jesus is the greater deliverer. He's bringing you out of bondage. He's bringing you out of slavery, not slavery to a people in Egypt. He's bringing you out of the bondage and slavery of sin and death. This greatest deliverer, this great deliverer, he's going to go to a cross for you because of your sins and the things that you've done, your rebellion against God. He is going to go to a cross and and take the punishment that you and I deserve for our sins. His body is going to lie in a grave, but only for three days. And on the third day, he is going to rise from the dead, victorious over sin and death. And he is going to give you through faith in him new life. He's going to ascend to the Father and he's only going to come back and bring us out of this sinful, broken world and give all of us what? Resurrected life. A life completely free from all the broken. Can you imagine, my friend? There's coming a day where we will laugh at the existence of COVID. There's coming a day when we will not have broken and corrupted politicians that are messing everything up. There is a coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will all live under his reign and rule joyfully. Do you see what I'm saying, church? There is a deliverer who wants to bring you out of bondage of sin and who wants you to know today that he is with you. And because he is with you, it does make all the difference in the world. Your difficult days can be fruitful days. Your tempting days can be victorious days as you place your eyes on him. And so if you're in this room this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ today, believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died in your place and rose again so you could be saved. Saved from this world, saved from sin, saved from eternal death and be given the gift of life. And if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to invite you today to come to experience salvation. I'll be down front. I would love to talk to you about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. In the corners of this room are two crosses. You can get up during our time of invitation and make your way to one of these crosses. There'll be someone there who'd love to pray with you and talk to you about how you can repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. If you're watching online, you're going to see a number come on the screen. Text the name Jesus to that number and very soon we'll reach out to you and help you today begin a relationship with Jesus. Let today be your day of salvation. If you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, Maybe as a follower of Jesus, you recognize that you've kind of taken your eyes off of Jesus during your difficult days. And maybe this morning as a follower of Jesus, God is saying to you, repent. Repent of giving in to temptation. Repent of not trusting me. Come back. Come back to me. 
However, God is thing you respond in these moments, you respond to him as of a time of invitation. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time and your word. You're good. We celebrate your goodness toward us. Thank you, Jesus, that you've set us free from sin and death. You are our great deliverer. Father, for this, that person in this room this morning who's never placed his faith or her faith in Jesus, I pray that person would come trusting you as Lord and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Rise to your feet as a time of invitation together. You come now as the Spirit of God leads you.